This is the Menopause Movement Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Gordon. Now here at the Menopause Movement, we've surveyed over 50,000 menopausal women. And through this, we've discovered that the number one cause of menopausal suffering for our clients is weight gain. Now you've said things like, how do I lose the mental belly? I don't recognize myself anymore. How can I get me back? When menopause hit me out of the blue, I had no idea what was happening. And when I gained about 50 pounds overnight, I hated what I saw in the mirror. The menopause movement exists to provide world-class transformational education to women who are suffering from the symptoms and effects of menopause. And we're here to give you the education you need to get your life back. We want menopause to be the best time of your life. I mean, it is for me and I want that for you. After years of trial and error, I finally cracked the code with my menopause weight. And now I want to share with you how I did it. I realized that what helped me the most was a challenge. So we've created a challenge for you to help you lose your mental belly. Simply go to menopausemovement.com forward slash challenge to sign up. I'll see you there. Hey, what's up, menopod? Hey, update on sashimi, the poor dog who I tried to shave. I took the dogs to the groomer in my car a few weeks ago and they smelled really bad. But when I went to pick them up, they were nicely shaven and smelled really great. Except sashimi who had like this hot spot on his face and he wouldn't leave it alone. So I had to buy him a cone of shame. <laughs> He's finally starting to heal, but it's slow. Yeah, I washed the wound with some antibiotic solution every day, but it still looks so angry. Plus, with that cone, he's walking into everything because he can't see out the side of his of his face. It's both sad and funny, uh, and I want him to heal, so we deal with it. Speaking of healing, isn't that something we all ultimately want in our lives? You know, menopause has arrived like an unwanted guest, and now we have to deal with that too. On top of that, we get all the symptoms plus the weight gain, and it's so frustrating to look in the mirror and loathe what you see. I know I did. And we're going to talk about that later today, but I just want you to know I have the same problem as you do. And in my quest to make menopause the best time of my life, I uncovered a great way to stay on top of that mental belly. And that's why we created the 28 day mental belly challenge. It's a way to get started on weight loss without any weird diets or tons of exercise. In fact, you don't even have to exercise unless you want to. So head on over to menopausemovement.com forward slash challenge to sign up and take control of your menopause weight. And today we welcome Katie Corbett to the show. Katie holds a master's degree in community health education and is a certified health education specialist and a busy mom of eight whom she homeschools. After yo-yo dieting for over 30 years, Katie finally researched and learned how to lose weight for the last time, and she lost 60 pounds. She now helps women do the same thing. She also teaches busy moms how to manage stress and anxiety without using food and how to make time for self-care. Katie walks you through step-by-step -step how to implement a holistic approach to your health and create a sustainable life that suits each individual personally. And during the podcast, we talk about how Katie gained 70 pounds and how she lost it, caring for everyone and putting yourself last. Thing that made Katie feel jealous, and she's not a jealous person, a year of grace. It all starts with awareness. The three things you can do right now to start losing weight, the five pillars of weight loss, how to be less reactive, and stay to the end to find out the best ways to lose weight that don't involve diet and exercise. At the end of this episode, visit menopausemovement.com forward slash podcast, 
where you can find the show notes plus the links to the books and resources mentioned in the episode. And if you enjoy this episode, make sure you leave a written review, like and subscribe on YouTube, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. So you're always the first to know when each episode is released. And how do you want to improve menopause? I mean, if you had a magic wand, let me know. I really want to hear from you. Send me a DM on Instagram at Dr. Michelle Gordon, or even on Facebook, also at Dr. Michelle Gordon. And when you send me a DM, you get me. It's not somebody else. Or you can also send an email to drgordon at menopausemovement.com. That's drgordon at menopausemovement.com. And I'll answer you. And thanks again for being a part of the menopause movement. Now, let's get to Katie. Well, Katie, welcome to the Menopause Movement Podcast. I'm so happy to have you here. This is you've got a great story, and I'm I'm super excited for you to share, especially because women in menopause, number one thing that they complain about is weight. Number one hands, you know, like all holds barred, that is the big thing. And, you know, after surveying over 50,000 women in menopause, it's between 46 and 48% of the women who answer our surveys saying, I, I just got to ship this weight, I don't recognize myself anymore. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think what's really great about you is that how you have been able to crack the code on dieting. And so what I'd like to, well, I'd like to figure out first is like, how did you gain the weight? What happened? I had a lot of kids. <laughs> a lot of kids. So, yes. Yes. So after my, I have eight children altogether, but after my seventh baby, um, and they, they came like every two years. So I would really have, you know, I'd be pregnant for the nine months, then have the baby, then nurse for the year. And then I would get pregnant after I weaned the baby only a couple months later. So really never got rid of the previous pregnancy's birth weight that I had gained. And so after my seventh baby, I was 70 pounds overweight. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I realized too, I really wasn't focused on myself at all. I had, I had not made any time in my day for any form of self-care whatsoever. And a friend of mine, actually, what what kind of triggered this in me was uh, this realization was a friend of mine finished an Ironman competition. And I don't know how familiar y- you or your listeners are to that, but it is an intense investment of time. You have to buy or you swim. I believe it's two miles, a little bit more than two miles. It's a, then it's you get a, on a yeah, two right? mile, two miles swim in the ocean, and yeah. then you then you ride your bike a hundred miles. This is a full yes. Ironman, and then you yeah. run a marathon. That's am- that. It's amazing. Yeah. And, and I was so proud of her when she finished. But then my very next feeling was jealousy. And I'm not a mm. jealous person, but I really felt jealous. And I, I was trying to figure out, like, why do I feel this way? I'm really proud of her. And there is no part of me that ever wants to compete in an Ironman competition. So it wasn't like I was jealous of the accomplishment. But when I dug down, I realized I was really kind of jealous of the fact that she was doing something for herself and I wasn't. And there was a major gap. I, and I realized like, hey, I don't even own my own hairbrush. I've really just invested so much attention into my own kids that if I wanted to brush my hair, I would just go grab one of theirs and quickly brush my hair and be on with the day. And so when I started my journey, I, you know, I was 70 pounds overweight. I was frustrated. I was 39. So I was looking down the pike of turning 40 and and feeling like I'm, I'm not comfortable in my own skin. I know this is not my natural set point of weight, right? Like I'm 5'1". 70 pounds overweight is really significant on my body and I didn't feel good and I felt tired and I just wanted to feel better and more like myself. 
And so I knew diets weren't the answer though, because I, I do have a master's degree in health education. I actually struggled with my weight for 30 years. Um, I would yo-yo diet and I went into the health field searching for an answer for, for like the weight, like, how do I do this? How do I be a healthy person? So health for me was always important, but yet here I was overweight. And so I knew all the information of what to eat. And I'm sure your listeners do too, right? Like, you know, all the health, healthy eating rules, but yet you still struggle with mm-hmm. feeling like I don't know how to get rid of this weight. So I gave myself what I call a year of grace. And I said, I'm not going to diet. I'm going to actually just be, uh, allow myself grace. I'm not going to hate my body. I'm, you know, I'm proud of it. It gave birth to so many times. It's been through a lot. I'm going to give myself a year of grace and see if I can just do research, right? Like put that, the master's degree to use and say, I'm going to research what the best practices are to lose weight and see what I can do. And so that's what I did. I I learned how great, actually it was a lot of mental information. Like I actually learned how my brain had set up these automatic patterns where if I had some sort of unpleasant emotion or something happened, it was an automatic pathway in my brain where my brain says, I, I want to keep you healthy and I want to keep you safe and happy. And so I've learned that if I tell you to go eat something or if I tell you you're suddenly hungry, I know you'll go eat and you'll feel better. And I know that pattern works. So without realizing it, I'd have an uncomfortable emotion or maybe I'd feel overwhelmed because, you know, I've got seven kids here and my husband's gone most of the day. And so I'm feeling overwhelmed and we homeschool. And then I'd feel bad for feeling overwhelmed because, you know, good moms don't feel overwhelmed is something I would tell myself. And then I would find myself at four o'clock elbow deep in a bag of chocolate chips because I just wanted to feel better. And like my friend. So there's a lot to unpack there. Yes, yes. Thing I think that's really you're speaking our language. You're speaking the language of of the menopausal woman who yeah. has spent her whole life taking care of everyone else, right. and then mm-hmm. what she like looks in the mirror and doesn't recognize herself anymore. Mm-hmm. And of course, that's why we have our 28 day mental belly challenge, which you can get when you go yeah. to menopausemovement.com forward slash challenge. And it's not about diets, but you've also said that you had to figure out your thought patterns. And mm-hmm. whenever whenever we want to make a change, and the pause movement is here. It's all about change. The first thing we have to have is some awareness. And, and whenever we do it, whenever we do change, it's a matter of we think about change for a long time. And then something happens that that has us kind of step over from the thinking about change to taking some sort of an action. It's a decision or whatever. And so change really does happen in an instant, but it doesn't mean anything unless you take action. Right. So what are some of the actions that you took? You you put here the, you know, three things that people can do right now to start oh, losing weight. Yes. All right. This And it's so simple. So probably your listeners are a lot like me where they know all the food rules. They know what what makes them, you know, what not to eat and what to eat, right? Because we we know that. Right? It, so it's not about, oh, just eat less and move more. That is so infuriating to me because it's like there's so many more layers to it. If it was that simple, you know, so many of us wouldn't struggle. So right. what I tell my clients to do is, and this is really based on psychology and on the research that I have done. So what you want to do is just get a journal and prior to the next day. So if you just finished breakfast, so for example, right now when we're recording this, right, breakfast is over. So what I would do is sit down and I'm going to write down what I want to eat tomorrow for uh, for the day. And I do this so that I am using the the prefrontal cortex of my brain, which is like the planning um, and decision making and the goal setting region of my brain to think yeah. of 
the, my future self of the goals I want to hit. Like, okay, I want to be a healthier version of myself. So what, what could I eat that would nourish me? That would give me energy coming from a place of love and compassion. Think considering, okay, what's my day going to look like tomorrow, right? All those things. And it shouldn't take too long, right? You don't have to get too deep into the weeds, but just consider all those factors and then just write down in a kind and caring and compassionate way what you're going to eat the next day. And then your challenge, okay, so that's the first thing. And then so the next day comes and you're looking at your food journal. And then this is where your brain is going to start to fight back on this, right? And so now what I want you to do is if you are, have like this crazy desire to not eat what's on your plan, right? Your brain is like, this is never going to work. Why would you do this to yourself, right? And, and it's fighting against you. What I want you to do is just get a glass jar. It could be a mason jar. And what I did is I went to Michael's and I got these little glass beads that are kind of see-through. And each bead, like about 100 is probably a good, but you can fill it with anything. It's really just for the visual, uh, so your brain can connect us, right? But what I want you to do is add a splash of joy to your joy jar every time you do not answer the call to go off the eating plan that you've created for yourself, okay? So you write down what you want to eat 24 hours ahead of time, and then when you are tempted to eat off of the plan that you created for yourself, you're just simply going to sit with it and not answer it. So you're not going to, if you, you know, you're feeling crazy and you want chips or you want chocolate or whatever, you're not going to answer it. You're going to allow yourself to feel that. And every time for like every 10 to 15 minutes that you have that craving or urge, you're just going to add a splash of joy to your joy jar. And the reason we do this is we're going, you're going to start taking control of your brain. And rather than reacting to your brain telling you and, and kind of driving the car, you're going to take over and you're going to say, no, I am going to, you know, come from a place of compassion, but I'm also in charge now. And I'm not going to just react to whatever's going on. I'm going to sit with this emotion and I'm going to learn how to feel it and understand where it's coming from. And every time I don't answer those uncomfortable emotions with food, I'm going to reward myself with a splash of joy. And then after you've reached that 100 splashes of joy, there's so many things that happen. One, you've created that neural pathway in your brain that says, uh, you know, you don't have to just react to anything that's unpleasant or uncomfortable with food, right? You've also, it also represents all these calories that you haven't eaten, mm. okay? And then you've you've built a little bit of self-trust, like, okay, I can, I can tell myself something and stick to it for those 24 hours. And so you're, it's like little tiny baby steps, but then you're also building self-efficacy. Like, yeah. hey, I can do this. And you can carry this tool, you know, wherever you want to go, but you're learning how to, how to have confidence in yourself and your own decisions, right? And then that will build, you know, success builds on success. So yeah. that will help you. And then the third thing you're going to do is you're going, when, when you're not answering the urge to go ahead and eat something, you're going to sit with those emotions and you're going to try to notice patterns, right? When am I feeling the urge to eat all the time? For me, it was four o'clock in the afternoon and I was overwhelmed and I was feeling like a terrible mom because I was feeling overwhelmed and I would have that urge. Like it, it, it was such a powerful struggle for me. I wanted to just go have the chocolate and I would just sit there like, no, you're not going to. <laughs> and then I started to, once I started to like realize like this is what's happening, I'm not actually hungry for chocolate chips. It's just my brain wanting me to feel better and less overwhelmed. I said, well, what else can I be doing so that I'm not feeling overwhelmed 
but I could be feeling better. And I like learning, right? And I said, yeah. well, I have a driveway um, that goes in a circle and I could take the kids that are super loud at four o'clock every afternoon and we can go outside and they could play and I could put a podcast on it. I could just walk and that will help me decompress. It will help me feel just as relaxed and good as if I stayed inside and had chocolate. Um, but it actually will support my health instead of, you know, derailing yeah. my health efforts. And so that's what I did. I identified the pattern, right, which is the third step. So you identify the pattern of when you have these irresistible urges and cravings, and then try to see if you can come up with solutions that will help you feel just as good as food would in those situations. And those are three quick, easy, you could start today right away doing it. So what I want to say is that this would work for just about any, any type of craving, including yeah. one of the things that I find that I crave a lot, and, and I'm an athlete. I, I I was doing triathlons until, well, not, I trained anyway. I didn't actually do a triathlon, but mm -hmm. I trained. And I, I was drinking until until maybe, I don't know, I, I, I kind of stopped drinking maybe about two years ago. Mm -hmm. And I still find that there are times when I just want to sit and drink. Yes. And it's the weirdest damn thing. And, and so what I do, when I have that craving, I think, well, you know, I'm going to feel crappy. And yeah. it took me a long time because I compared it to how easy it is for me to say no to marijuana. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. I hate the way that stuff makes me feel. I yes. don't use it. I don't like it. There's nothing about marijuana I like. I, I, I don't like feeling, feeling that out of control. I don't like feeling that woozy kind of like weird way. And then I get paranoid. So it isn't mm -hmm. good for me. And I, so mm -hmm. it's easy for me to say no to it. But when it comes to alcohol, because it's such a, so, there's such a social Absolutely. aspect to it, it's a little bit harder. And I could actually see somebody with eight children or nine children or more or even fewer oh, yeah. who at 4 p.m. just have to have a glass of wine. Absolutely. And it's it's the same thing. So yep. we crave things and it's our brain trying to save us from ourselves, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And our brain. brain yeah. So yeah. so let me just what happens is we get into this thought. We get into this thought of that that I like to call the Grand Canyon of thought. And it's just something that we say to ourselves over and over again. But in reality, what we have is a is is the opportunity to change our thoughts. And that's when that's when life starts to get really good is when we can start to and and it doesn't matter what you you know, if you want to use the, the, the beads and the in in a jar or you want to use paper it, i mean it doesn't matter but there's mm -hmm. always a some sort of a trigger that can help you really understand how to improve your trust in yourself and then and that leads to self-efficacy which is truly self-efficacy is really just believing that you can do something right yeah, yeah. and yeah. i notice too whenever whenever there's a gap in life we might not even i think identifying it is so crucial because we're designed to especially with our brains to not feel pain right never feel uncomfortable so your brain will do what it needs to do to help you feel better so either it's it might be alcohol when the kids finally go to sleep or it could be you know running up your credit card shopping because that helps you feel better right it's it, or it could be overeating it it could be smoking it there's like so many ways your brain will just default if you're not aware of it. And so once you become aware of the patterns that you're doing that are not supporting you in whatever the goals are that you want to hit, um, you can at least address it. And I always mm -hmm. say like extra weight on a body is really a symptom of life out of balance. And it's just, you have to be a detective and just dig up, okay, where are the gaps in life? And, and that's how I'm using food. For me, I felt like 
not myself. I, I, I just needed to have an identity. And that's actually why I started this. Cause I, once I realized like, you know, I really miss teaching. I really miss connecting with other women and helping them. You know, I, I was kind of up, you know, just being mom and, and I missed the other side of me that, uh, got to connect with other women and teach them and, and, and help them. And mm-hmm. once I identified that and said, you know, let me research and let me create this program for, you know, for women. And stuff. my life, filled up with that, with purpose. And then food really took a back seat and wasn't as important because I was able to create things in my life that were important for me. And so food took its natural place. So if if you have your listeners are, are, you know, having a problem with, you know, I just can't, all I do is think about food or if there's such a pull for me. And I would just say like, look for, look for other ways to light yourself up and fill yourself up so that food isn't the most important part of your day. Yeah, it so has it's, its place. But. Yeah, well, it does. But but you know, one of the things that happens in menopause, and it's it's really strange. But as we lose our hormones, there there is a something that happens in our brains. And one thing that I hear from women over and over and over is why why can't I stop thinking about food? Mm-hmm. And why do I crave food? And why am I always hungry? And so there there is a hormonal thing that that comes with menopause that does lead us to eat more. And then on top of that, because we're, we've lost our estrogen, our body is holding onto fat in the belly to keep estrogen there. I mean, that's just part of what happens. And mm-hmm. so, so we get the minnow belly and then we don't know how to lose it. And so if you're like me and you gained a lot of weight during your pregnancy, I mean, you get, you said you, you had seven pregnancies and you gained 10 pounds each time. I gained 50 pounds with my pregnancy. <laughs> I lost like 10 and then I never, I never lost it. And I kept gaining after that. And it took me a long time to figure out how to, you know, it was actually in menopause. When when I put on even more weight, mm-hmm. I was like, I got to do something about this, and mm-hmm. and I I kind of figured out a system that works, and that's you know that's one of the reasons why we have the menopause movement. But when you realize that that you know your brain is craving something, mm-hmm. it's your body telling you, hey, let's examine this. And what we don't do very often is take a look at how our thoughts and our feelings are driving our actions. Right. When we don't stop and take a look at those things, then we become a victim of our circumstances and we don't really take charge of our lives. And so one thing that I I like to help women do in menopause is to really start to see how this can become the best time of your life when, you know, what what I love about menopause is there's no kids in the house. Um, I can travel, you know, there's, there's a little bit more disposable income. So there's a lot of really great things that come along with menopause. And, but if we choose to only focus on the, the misery that the symptoms are causing, then it's really hard for us to create a life we love. And so what we do at the menopause movement is we help women kind of change their, their brains in, in a lot of ways. And it's a lot of what, like what you do. Yes. So what, what would you say are the, the five pillars, your five pillars of weight loss? So the first thing would be to recognize your habits and then raise your awareness. Okay. So that would be the first pillar. Mm. So, and like I said, everybody knows like the what to eat. So I actually don't really spend a whole lot of time on that at all because I really feel like the, by the time that people come to me, they are done with dieting. They're, they're over it. They, they know what to eat. They know, you know, and they probably tried at least 10 different diets uh, or probably more, but you know, they know all the food rules, right? So the first one is to recognize their habits and to raise their awareness. Then the second one would be to change their brain patterns and their behavior. Okay. And that comes, you have to first raise your awareness and be aware of the patterns before you can start to change them. 
Then the next one would be to raise their self-esteem and have, you know, start to identify a future self-concept. So, you know, who do you want to be? Like, how do you mm-hmm. want to show up? You know, we say like, are they don't feel comfortable in their own skin or they don't recognize themselves anymore. Well, who who is it that they want to be? You know, who do yeah. they want to be? you know, what do they want for themselves? Because you have to go somewhere, right? Like you you have to move towards something to make all these changes. So you want to really develop a relationship with this future version of yourself. And what I had learned was once you do that, your brain actually considers the future version of yourself as, a, as an actual person. Like it yeah. will start to relate to that person. So if you're a people pleaser and you can like really get your future self-concept in cement. And then you could really think like, oh, I, I can't, I have to stick to these health goals because I can't let her down. <laughs> you know, your yeah. brain will. Well, I, I just want to say something that I say a lot is it is that, you know, you can't lose a hundred pounds overnight. It's no. just not possible. Never. But when you start to be the person who lost a hundred pounds, that's when you can step into that. But the whole idea is the being, and that's, the, that's mm-hmm. really the same thing, you know, in your third pillar. And so, what what I like to talk about a lot is who who am I going to be and who do, who am I being now and who do I want to be and and what does that person do I, I I you know in my business I look at this in my life yes. I you know in yeah. every single aspect of my life I I'm like am I being the person that I want to be and how can I start to really own the responsibility that comes along with the, with with being that and right. and doing those things and making those choices and that's how i was able to drop all the weight that i dropped you know when menopause hit and then and then also start to become an athlete i mean mm-hmm. when i first started running it was you know i probably weighed 220 pounds and i would run for a minute and my heart rate would go up to 180 mm-hmm. and and then i'd walk for a long time and and i would only do a mile at a time wow. right yeah Mm-hmm. And, and so now, you know, I'm more than 50 pounds less than that. And it's, you know, now I can, I mean, I'm doing an event this Saturday, I'm doing a race for the first time. And, you know, would it be nice to do an Ironman? I, I think that that's on my vision board, but, wow, you know, in, in order, yeah, in order to do that, though, you know, that requires, that requires a lot of training. A lot. I, I yeah. was yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's what made me jealous of her was the fact yeah. that she had that much time to dedicate to herself. I, you know, and I and I realized like that is probably why I was jealous of her. Because yeah, really so, it's an investment. So time. Investment time is time. time is relative, right? Time yeah. is a time is a construct that we made up. Mm-hmm. And if it's important enough for us, we're gonna find the time to do it. Absolutely. And that's I think more than if if you take nothing else back from this podcast today is that when something is important to you, the time is always there. And if you look back at your life and you realize that if you say, I don't have time to exercise, that's fine. You don't have time to exercise, but you can pay attention because you really exercise and diet. I mean, when you want to lose weight, it has nothing to do with exercise. We exercise because we start to feel better and our bodies want to move. So it's, I just don't like the idea that, that there's no time because, and, and I'm going to piss some people off of it by saying that, but in reality, we can spend our own, we, we just choose how to spend our time. I mean, I find that my days go really fast because I love what I do. Do I get as much done as I want to? Probably never. (laughs) (laughs) But I do it. So, um, all right. So what's the fourth pillar? So the fourth pillar actually would be, uh, so then the next thing you want to do is once you develop that future self-concept, then you want to create a a life where food isn't that important. So Mm -hmm. once you figure out who you want to be, now you're going to set patterns up to make sure you become that person, right? So so what do you have to do to create a life where food is no longer 
that important. And then the last thing would be um, is, is to move your body for pleasure, right? Find ways to move your body that um, feel good. And, not, and like you just said, not necessarily for weight loss, because I think sometimes we think, okay, I just I just jogged a mile. Now I'm going to go eat. <laughs> and right. it just negates it, right? So you're moving your body for pleasure in a way that makes you feel good and strong but not necessarily for weight loss, right? So find something to do. But let me, I, I want to touch real quick on, on your point that you made about having time and money. You know, my husband right now, he uh, is having a, a st- very uh, serious back issue mm. and he can barely walk. And so he maybe takes a couple steps and he has a pinched nerve and he spent most of this week in doctor's appointments with um, an orthopedist. He did see a chiropractor. He went to his regular doctor. Um, he now has to start physical therapy, right? But all those things, take time yeah and if maybe instead of if he could have proactively taken the same amount of time that he has spent now in doctor's appointments waiting for prescriptions waiting for x-rays and time not being able to work and instead said let me invest my time in in taking an hour every day and making my body strong and and exercising or you know movement it doesn't if you have an adverse reaction to exercise like just call it movement then Mm -hmm. or just taking the time and investing financially in a program like yours, right? Like where people, you, they might not want to, but you know, you're going to spend money on your health and it's either going to be on the front end being proactive or it's going to be on the back end treating an illness, yeah. right? So it's going to cost, there's a cost to everything. And so you get to choose which side of that you want to spend your time and effort and money on. Like, well, how you know, you're either going to treat your wellness or you're going to treat your illness and you really just have to choose and make it make decide which one you want and then make that a priority. Yeah, no, I think that's that's really important. There's a great book uh, that you may want to give to your husband. It's called The Great Pain Deception. Okay. And it's it's all about how how to look at pain from a different from a different angle. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's 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 a book that we recommend here at the menopause movement because we have a lot of women who come in with you know things like fibromyalgia and whatnot. Yeah. And then they'll come into our program and they'll, they'll join as a mentalmate. And we've had some women get off of up to eighty percent of their medication. That's wonderful because they start to master their lives. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's I mean that's the key to everything. And so when it comes to movement, though, I think I think you're you're right about you know it's important. When when we start to feel better, we're going to want to move more. And the thing is, is that when we feel better, we feel better in small increments. It's not like we feel better in, you know, it's not like you're going to feel 100% better tomorrow. You're going to feel maybe 1% better mm-hmm. over over a week or something. And then you know, all of a sudden, after a few months of, of you know, mastering your head and, and maybe changing your, your habits, What's ha- what happens is you're like, oh, I, I-, I want to go for a walk. I really do. Mm-hmm. And then you yeah. start to move your body and it just feels good. It feels right. better. And so once you do that, then then you may want to say, well, maybe I want to shape my body a little. And I, I do mm-hmm. think that weights weights are good for shaping. They, they will shape your body. But to to use exercise as a punitive, like I ate pizza, so now I got to go get on the, the yeah. treadmill for a, you know an hour. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, that's not the way to, that's not the way to live. Right. right? And so, and the other thing is, is that because, because most of us as children were rewarded with food, uh-huh. we have this whole reward pathway that, that, you know, we think we deserve it. You know, I come on, I deserve a beer now, or I deserve mm-hmm. that ice cream, or I deserve that cookie because I did X, Y, Z. And it's, it's this habit that our parents inadvertently kind of 
put into us. And so we have this belief around, around food rewards. Mm-hmm. And so what if we could change the, the food reward to, you know, I, I'm feeling really good. I'm going to have some chicken. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, um, if, if you're, if you're not, if you're a vegetarian, maybe it's tofu, but right. I say this all the time and, and, and hopefully it's going to sink in, but you guys, everything is a belief. There's very, very few laws. I mean, I talk about the law of gravity, right? You're going to pick something up, it's going to fall. But everything else is just a thought that we think. And when we, st- when, if you want to control your life, start looking at everything you believe, man, because mm-hmm. that's what that's going to do is it's going to help you change like my, everything. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, words um, we attach to events in our experiences become the experience, right? So, yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. I'm with you 100%. And really, and, and another thing too is your brain, your thoughts that you have, if you're not aware of this, you just think they're the truth. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and my perfect example of this is, and when, when I learned this, one of the things I did, I, I, like I said, I called it my year of grace, but I'd have breakfast. And then one morning I had to run out and drop something off at the post office and come right back home. And I had started to notice, you know, every time I pull up my driveway, my brain tells me I'm hungry. And so sure enough, that morning I come home and I pull up the driveway and I felt hunger and I challenged the thought. I was like, there's no way I'm hungry. I just had breakfast. I've been gone 10 minutes. I know I'm not hungry. And as soon as I chat, like I caught the thought, like, hey, you're hungry. And I challenged them like, there's no way I could possibly be hungry. The hunger went away like that. I wasn't depriving myself. I didn't have to struggle and fight with this, this, oh, I hate these diets. Like it wasn't like that at all. It was just like, hey, I know that's not the truth. It's just a thought I had. And it was a response to pulling up my driveway, which is, and I think that was just a response because, you know, when I have little kids and we would go out for any amount of time, when we pull up the driveway, it'd be time to give them a snack. And so it was just over the course of, you know, 19 years now, it's like, okay, we're home, let's have a snack. And so my brain just automatically told me, okay, let's go, go eat, you know? And it was finally when I noticed that and I was like, you know, I am not hungry. I don't know why my brain is thinking that the hunger was gone. I hadn't, I I did not feel hunger after that for for, at that particular moment. And then I would laugh because every time I'd pull up the driveway, my brain would start to say it's time to, and I'd be like, nope, it is not time to eat. And, and just those little finding those little patterns in my brain was what I lost weight. I lost 60 pounds and I I wasn't starving myself. I was not depriving myself. It was just, I was noticing the thoughts that I was having and I had previously believed like that must be true because why would I think it if it wasn't true and just challenging them. No, there's no way I could be hungry right now. No, you're not hungry. You're feeling stressed right now. No, you're feeling overwhelmed right now. No, you're worried right now. No, you know, whatever. Or no, you're happy right now. The kids are finally sleeping and now you have a few minutes to yourself. That's when you would reward yourself. Like, no, you're not. You're not doing that right now. You know, so it's just finding those patterns that my brain was that I thought were just true. I, I really didn't know to question them or, or to challenge them at all. But once I did, then the weight finally started coming off because I wasn't answering it all the time with food. Yeah, that's so important that everything starts with awareness. And when, mm-hmm. when you're able to really start to challenge those thoughts, and I have a similar example and at the end of 2018, we went on this cruise to the Caribbean. It was beautiful. It was like we went for a, a New Year's Eve down at St. Bart's and it was it was really nice. But I found myself, I, I had, I, I was really starting to work on awareness at that time. And I realized that every time I looked in the mirror, I said, I hate you. Oh. I hate you. And I thought, you know, if I want, and, and at the time I was, you know, I was running, I was biking, I was swimming and, but I was still really heavy and, you know, a lot heavier than I am now. And, and I was like, Hmm, 
And I said, if all I do is hate myself, I'm never going to get what I want because mm -hmm. that's not right. And so I made this, instead of saying, I hate this body, I said, I'm, I'm just going to change my thoughts and say, I love you. I love you. Mm -hmm. And while I may not love what I see in the mirror now, at least I don't say I hate you anymore. Yeah. Right. And that that's such a big shift. And it has allowed me to not only do more with my body, but actually, you know, accept my body where it is. And I'm starting to look in the mirror and like what I see. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Because you're not going to you're not going to take care of or change something you hate. Right. We yeah. don't we don't do that. But then we think, oh, well, if I tell myself I love my body or then I'll just be complacent with it. But really, that's not true. Like you you'll want to take care of something that you love. And if loving your body seems so distant like you just like that is just crazy you can just say i i approve or <laughs> i respect you you know or i like you or you know thank you for for strong legs or you know thank you for breathing for me without having to think about it or for for the heartbeat or you know or for, for health. thoughts or something yeah yeah you know i mean it's 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 really great to even just have health mm -hmm. and and we we take that for granted because we just have it and then then you know if 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 our body gets assaulted with something else it's like wait a minute yeah. so Let's get back to time. How, how, when, you know, you have this really busy life, you have children from the ages of 19 to two. Yes. And so how do you, how do you find the time, make the time to take care of yourself? I, I make it a priority. So it is probably my number one priority. I make sure I go to bed at a decent time. I don't stay up late, but that really for me is not hard to do because I don't, I usually do go to bed by 930. I'm kind of, I joke with my husband. I'm like, I'm like a senior citizen, but I always, even in college, like I would just go to bed early, but I, I like to go to bed early because I really do like to get up early. And so I'll get up early, maybe five, five thirty, And that is just time for me. My kids are not up yet. And when they're really little, sometimes they're up. And if I'm up with a nursing baby, I'll, I'll give myself grace and let myself sleep. But usually I, I can get out of bed and um, I'm up and at him that early. And that gives me time. It gives me mental space. I always, I'll read something. Um, I, I try to read something for my soul and my mind um, and for like personal development, right? Like mm -hmm. I, I book and eat like a chapter in each book. And I usually do that. And then I'll exercise. And if by then, you know, maybe it's like 6.30, 7 o'clock, if my kids are starting to get up, I'll, I'll manage them first because I know they'll be all up in my grill <laughs> if I don't like take care of them. So I'll, I'll make sure they have breakfast or give them whatever it is that they need. Um, and I, and I had to create, you know, I had to consider, okay, I can't like get up and just, I don't have the luxury right now in my life of just going to the gym for hours a day. Like that's just not re realistic for me. Um, but I can just have some weights in my living room and an iPad and I can watch a DVD or watch it, watch a workout video and do that and still manage to get in 30 to 40 minutes of a workout with my, in the same room as my kids. So that the, you know, they're around me and I'm keeping an eye on them and maybe I have to pause it sometimes, but like, that's just the season of life I'm in. So I, I had to just consider, right. What's available to me right now. What, uh, what's within the, the budget I have, the time I have, what can I do to make sure that my health needs are being met? And so I do that every morning and that sets me up for a good, I feel less anxious. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I don't tend to feel as overwhelmed then as long because I've taken care of like a core essence of myself and not in a selfish way, but just in, in a necessary 
way, right? And I feel good. And and then I'm like, you know, why would I want to eat something poor? I just took so much time investing into myself. Like I want to eat something that's going to nourish me now, right? And so then I'll have breakfast and, and then, you know, I, we do homeschool. So then we do school for like a good chunk of, of the day. And then by four o'clock, we'll all go outside. And, you know, that's when I'll put a podcast on so I can learn something and walk and kind of blow the dust off from the day and let the kids get out, you know, their energy and stuff before dinner. And so that's usually how I set my day up. I kind of have those two anchors in my day, first thing in the morning and then right around four o'clock. And that four o'clock, you know, like I said, it just helps me blow the dust off. I can just de-stress a bit, unwind, decompress, because if I don't, I notice too, then I'll overeat when it's dinner time, mm-hmm. right? Like if I don't have time to kind of center myself again and just, you know, take some deep breaths and get outside and walk around a bit, then I'll use food to to help me feel better, right? So I know that that's an anchor in my day that really is necessary. So four o'clock, get back outside and I'll walk. And that's what works for me, right? Those two th- two times of my day, I'm able to, and actually maybe the third would be like go to bed at a decent time so that I get yeah. decent sleep, right? Not staying up late because the kids are finally sleeping. Like I try to do it on the back end, but that's me. So what I would just say is look at your day and look for times and anchors in your day that you can make your health and wellness a priority within your budget, within the time that you have, um, that works for your personality. You know, if if I knew if I had to wake up at 5 a.m. and then go for a five-mile jog, I would never do it. I really dislike running. It's just not me. And I know it's great, but it's just not it's You'll just never not do an, an Ironman. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, you know, it's just not me. But if I knew, like, okay, I could get up and maybe go do Pilates or just some strength training, that I was like, oh, I'm excited to do it, right? Like, so that's, but that's my personality and that fits for me. So really it's, again, you have to figure out what works for you and what what health goals you have and then look around and look and see what what is available to you and uh, how can you make that just a priority for you yeah life. so the best exercise is one you'll do yes and 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 I like to say that and we, and, and in our program uh, we we start with really easy exercises and then mm-hmm. they get progressively harder uh, so that when women women come in you know if you've never exercised before we just we just give you some simple things you can do to, you know, like maybe push up against a wall, you know, just yeah. to get you, just to get you moving again. Yeah. And if you want to, you know, I think it's really important to have a morning routine. A morning routine will set you up for the whole day. And you talked about, you know, how you're reading personal development and you're reading spiritual stuff and you're probably journaling all these things. And Hal Elrod has a really, really good formula. And I would say that, you know, you can pick up the book, uh, The Miracle Morning, if you haven't already. Oh, I've heard of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, he's, he's I can't remember the acronym off the top of my head, but but it's basically just, you know, uh, if you do these 10, there's six things and you do them for 10 minutes each, then you can start to really take control of your life. And so I do recommend that book. Uh, it changed a lot of lives and he's a pretty amazing guy. So mm-hmm. that's something really good. So in terms of, let's let's talk a little bit about reactivity, uh, how we can, you've got eight children and mm-hmm. I can imagine that you have to live your life with a lot of intention uh, yes. and, and you have to really pay attention to what your kids are saying in the moment so that you don't become that reactive parent that just yells. Mm-hmm. So how do you how do you do that? How do you stop being so reactive? I expect chaos. 
<laughs> and I mean that kind of funny, but I do. I expect life to go sideways. I'm not surprised when it does. It's like, okay, this is the part where life went sideways. And so I plan for it, right? So if, you know, if all of a sudden I'm behind on laundry or I'm behind, you know, I always try to have some healthy food in the freezer because stomach viruses hit or kids fall off life, uh, fall off diving boards and need to go to get stitches, right? Like it's just things happen. And yeah. so it's it, my go-to would be normally, um, you know, prior to all this would be like, well, we'll just grab some takeout. Like, oh, we, you know, life is crazy right now. I, I didn't expect the day to go like this. And someone so cracked their tooth and we had to go sit in the dentist's office for three hours. Like, it's going to happen because life happens and it couldn't, it's it not necessarily, you might not have young kids at home, but maybe with work, a project comes up and all of a sudden it's chaos. And so if you're an emotional eater, your first reaction is like, okay, diet's out the window or, or healthy eating's out the window. We're just going to get takeout. We deserve it. This was a crazy day, but that would be reactive, right? So instead be like, oh, today is the day things went crazy. I knew this was going to happen and this is what I'm going to do. So you almost plan for it and you have a plan in place. So, okay, when things go crazy, I have a, you know, three go-to meals that we can have real quick. You know, maybe it's bagged salad and canned chicken and I just toss it all together and we just have chicken and salad for dinner real quick. Or maybe it's, um, you know, frozen soup that I made a few weeks ago and I made extra and I froze it and like that's what we're going to have tonight. So mm. you just pl plan, consider all the chaotic things that could possibly come up, right? Like just do a thought download or a brain dump or whatever you want to do onto a piece of paper of all the crazies that you expect to pop possibly happen. Kids get sick or, you know, maybe parents are in the hospital or, you know, somebody fell and hurt themselves and you got to be there, you know, plan for all of, all of the ways that life can go sideways because it's going, it, life goes sideways. Like it happens. And so let's not react to it. Let's just plan for it and then have a plan in place. Okay. If mom and dad, you know, if somebody winds up in the hospital and I, I have to be the caretaker for them. Like what, what do I need to do to make sure my health stays a priority and I'm not just getting the hospital food or takeout, you know, real quick or whatever that might be, like just plan for it. Because the more ordered your life is, the less ripple effect the crazy part will get into the rest of your life. Because the very first thing that you're going to drop is probably the, taking care of yourself. Because mm. it's just a natural thing. Your brain's going to go into preservation survival mode. It's, it's going to say, no, you need to do this instead, right? It's going to just fall back right on, on its old habit of, you know, we're going to keep you safe and we're going to keep you healthy or we're going to keep you safe and, and not, we're not going to worry about all this extra health and wellness stuff right now. We're in survival mode now. So you want to know that and then plan for it. So I always try, for example, to be caught up on laundry. I try not to have a lot of extra laundry. So if a stomach bug hits my house, I'm not three weeks now set back with laundry. You know, like I can just handle it and it's it doesn't affect, you know, all these other areas of our lives. And and I had learned too, you know, when a house is disordered and chaotic, your hunger switch or your you know, I call it like your hunger switch is really turned on. You're going to feel more hungry in a house that's chaotic and disordered than you would in a house that's orderly and tidy. So you want to plan for and you know declutter, clean your house up, make it a place that's, you know, comfortable for you that is not chaotic so that that hunger switch can, that dial can be turned down a bit, right? These are all proactive ways that you can plan ahead, uh, ahead of time so that, again, if your house is chaotic and then life is chaotic, 
you're not going to have time to clean. It's just going to get worse. Mm-hmm. Um, but if your house is at least in order, but you don't have time to deal with it for a few days while you're dealing with whatever it is that could be chaotic, it's not going to fall apart and unravel as quick, right? Like the, it just gets, it seems to get worse exponentially <laughs> if you're not on top of things. So I would just say, you know, be on top of as much as you can possibly be on top of so that when life goes sideways, you it's already planned for. And it's not a surprise. Like, just don't be surprised, really. Well, you know, I like to say that circumstances are neutral. Things Mm -hmm. happen, right? And it's when we start to apply meaning to that, whatever it is, is when we start to suffer. Right. And so, you know, if my kid falls off the diving board or hits, you know, hits their their head and needs needs stitches, is it, I mean, it's, you know, not necessarily a good thing for the kid, (laughs) obviously, but it's just a thing. Right. right. It's just a thing that happened. The kid's still healthy. It just needs some stitches. And it's when we start to add, like, this is really bad. Oh, yeah. my God. I had to do all this, 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 this. You know, we just sometimes have to pivot. I mean, you know, we had everybody had to pr- pivot through COVID. You know, yes. we either had to stay home. We had to start le- learn how to Zoom, you know, all these things. I mean, for me, it was I was already home. I just didn't get to travel. <laughs> so, you know, it, but I think I think it's really important for us to remember that things happen and they're not good, they're not bad. Mm-hmm. They just are. Right. And it's it's whenever we apply the meaning to it and it, when something that we think is bad happens, the sooner we can get to what the good is that was going to come out of that, the sooner yeah. our suffering ends. And so that's I think that's super important. Mm-hmm. So what I'd like to talk about before we go is the best way to lose weight that doesn't include diet and exercise. Okay. So we did touch on it, right? So what I would say would be start paying attention to the patterns, right? So if you could do what I told you to do at the very first part of this is to write everything down and then stick to it. But then if you want you to focus on if you're having a very hard time keeping your word to yourself, start paying attention to what emotions are coming up for you and why are you having such a hard time. And if you could do that, that doesn't include diet or exercise, right? It's just paying attention to what your thoughts are, what your emotions are, and being willing to sit there with them without reacting to them. Just p- let them be there. They're not the news. They're not the truth necessarily, but you want to know what they are. So then you can see like, okay, what's the essence of this? So for example, when my friend did the Iron Man and I was jealous and then I felt guilty for it, my default mode would be go have some chocolate. (laughs) So, but instead, if I could sit there and say, why am I feeling jealous? Like, what's the root of that emotion? Where is that coming from? Then I start to learn stuff about myself. So negative emotions aren't necessarily terrible. They're, they're really could be indicators of what's happening. And it's your brain trying to tell you maybe like, hey, something's out of balance here. Let's pay attention to this area. But if you only respond by eating or drinking or shopping or, or you know, you're drowning it out, it's, you're, you're not actually getting to the root cause. So what I would say is notice if it's an uncomfortable emotion and what is the root of that. So for me, the root was I wasn't spending any time on myself at all. I was not spending I, I was not taking any time for self-care whatsoever. And it it really became important to me to notice like, hey, maybe I'll get a nail polish color I really like. Like little tiny baby things that I could, like I'm gonna go get hand soap that's like a lemon scent and put it in the kitchen. And every time I wash my hands, I'm gonna take a really deep breath of it and like breathe out nice and slow. And just these little tiny things, like I didn't notice I needed it, but they were just these little points in time throughout my day where it was just a little tiny 
bit of self-care for me that just elevated me just enough that helped the negative emotions not come up so high. Okay. Does that make sense? So it was like, but I would never have noticed to even do those things if I had just reacted by eating, but instead said, why am I feeling jealous right now? What is going on here? I'm not a jealous person. Why do I feel bad about this? And discovering, hey, you feel bad about it because you are not spending any time taking care of yourself whatsoever. So what can you do instead? Like within your budget, within your time that's available to you that you can do to identify, okay, where are the gaps and how can I start making little tweaks in my life that make me feel better or that, you know, that help me not turn to food to eat? Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. Well, uh, where can people find you? So. I, um, my website is called health, wellness, and chocolate. (laughs) (laughs) So it's health, wellness, and chocolate.com. And, um, I have tons of information on there. Uh, I have a free grocery list printable with some quick, easy nourishing meals that people can make from that grocery list. Um, for free, they can just, um, go ahead and download that. Um, and then I also have a podcast, uh, health, wellness, and chocolate uh, podcast, weight loss for busy moms. And um, also on Instagram at Health Wellness Chocolate. All right, great. And was there anything else you were hoping to share today that we didn't get to? I think we covered a ton of stuff. But I guess really if if you take anything away from this, it's when you have a thought and you want to react to it, just pause, right? If you can only just pause and question it and, and then, you know, try to get down to the root of it, you can see, you can really make some significant changes in your life without having to diet, without having to do crazy exercise boot camp stuff. <laughs> like just start paying attention to what your thoughts are and how you're reacting to them or, you know, what, what your behavior is, right? Because like you said, your, your, your thoughts create your actions, your actions create your feelings, and then your feelings create the results that you're sho- that are showing up in your life. So you want to work backwards, figure out yeah. what are those thoughts I'm having and how are they affecting me? What am I doing once I have those thoughts? Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. All right. Well, Katie, thanks for so much for being a part of the menopause movement today. I really appreciate you. And uh, everyone go to Health, Wellness, and Chocolate to find out more about Katie and the program she has on offer. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. Did you know that menopause is not a medical condition? Most doctors don't know this either. I like to say that menopause is the privilege of a long life. And to really take hold of our lives in menopause, We have to unlearn what society and the medical establishment has told us about menopause. This is why I've created this brand new course called Understanding Your Hormones and Managing Your Menopause. I want to show you how you can get on top of your menopause right now so that you can start to see it as the best time of your life. Now, this course is valued at $500 and is in the beta testing phase. And we're currently accepting applications for women to test it out for us at no charge in exchange for feedback and testimonials. But the best part is because you're a podcast listener, you can bypass the application process and go straight to the front of the line. To register right now, simply visit menopausemovement.com forward slash hormones and we can get started together right now. Remember, you can get started right now at no charge to you in exchange for feedback and testimonials when you go to menopausemovement.com forward slash hormones, and I'll see you inside the course. Thanks so much for being a part of the menopause movement. 